I'm Casada Bullman. Today, my guest is Chef Ruben Rodriguez. He joins us from Manhattan, where currently he's chef and owner of East Village Tapas Restaurant Nye. He also owns the Mexican-inspired spot Amigo by Nye. And he's currently in the process of launching Cafe Emilia by Nye, a vegetable and seafood-focused restaurant, and also Kobo, which is Mediterranean-inspired. He grew up in Spain. In fact, his parents owned restaurants and were involved in the food world there. And it's that upbringing that shapes his cuisine. Today, we'll be discussing expansion, breaking down the motivation behind it. Landlords, brokers, and when it might make sense to stop paying rent and just relocate. We'll also discuss opening a second restaurant during a pandemic. Plus, bouncing back after a near-fatal car accident, how that sparked a different perspective on life. So I'll start by asking, as we always do, Chef Rodriguez, have you eaten yet? This could be a meal from today, or a cup of coffee that you're drinking now, or it could be the last meal that you have a really great memory about, one that truly resonated with you. It could be one from 10 years ago, or any time. Well, hi, thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, that was a beautiful introduction. Uh, as for your meal question, I will always refer back to my Christmas meal at home with my mom, which we always do lamb and roasted potatoes. Uh, that's a very traditional, typical meal from where I'm back home. Uh, but it's the one time of the year that we kind of, uh, it's, it's a funny meal because some people in the family don't like it. Some people enjoy it, but it's the meal that kind of gathers everybody together. So it's always... Uh, for me, is the most memorable meal of the year, for sure. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm going to jump right in because it's an exciting time for you. Currently, you're in the process of yes. opening two new concepts in the Eats Village. You know, owning and running one restaurant fills my plate completely. So I am just really interested, you know, in breaking down your motivation and the heart and the soul when taking on all this expansion? Yes. So we started Nye uh, November 15, 2010. And uh, when we started, it was me, uh, um, the same kitchen crew that I have till today. Uh, we started it with Raul, who's uh, my uh, main director of operations. Um, and it was just a group of guys that kind of wanted to, I guess, find a purpose, make a living. Um, have this passion for food and just want to, at the time, we just wanted to give great food, great service, uh, give our message from home and, and, and kind of take it from there. As you evolve in your career, um, you evolve with the message that you want to transpire. You evolve, evolve as a person. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have occurred in my life from travels to uh, better things, worse things. And it kind of shapes you and it gives you purpose and a, and a vision of what you're looking to accomplish. Uh, the expansion for me was never something that when we started was like, oh, I want to someday own a restaurant group and, 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 you know, become this owner that has a bunch of restaurants. And, and that was never the mission. That was never the purpose. Um, it was just things that occurred in life. I think once you have a clear message and a clear vision of what you want to uh, give and what you want to do, not only in your food, but in your business, I think things start occurring on a natural thing. Um, a lot of oftentimes I get asked, oh my God, you're so, you know, you're such a genius that you took the COVID time to do these expansions and all these kind of stuff. 
And that was by far the truth of what happened. Uh, I am not a genius. I just simply have a lot of passion for the food that we do. Um, and I was uh, placed in paths with opportunities uh, from people enjoying our food and what we do. And and um, through a lot of experiences that we will touch up as we move on, um, I don't like turning down things that I feel that, are, that I'm able to keep telling my story and my company's story and the people that work for me. Um, as we expanded, it became bigger than me. Um, so it was necessary to expand. It was necessary to have different concepts, not just the initial concept, because there were so many people involved that had so much passion behind what we did that supported my vision and that supported my message, that supported my style of cooking. And when it was time for me to do Amigo, for instance, which is a Mexican-inspired uh, contemporary restaurant, um, it was sort of my homage to the people that were with me uh, because it was a, a story that one of my right-hand kitchen guys wanted to do with me. I've always told him 10 years ago, one day we're going to do your place. We're going to do your mom's recipe. We're just going to do it in our contemporary way. And uh, that's kind of a transpired. So things kind of just happened. Um, and of course, COVID hits. Uh, and that's a whole different story at that point. How do you know? Can you, is it a feeling? Is it, is it just this voice in you that says, yeah, let's, let's just go forward. Let's do this. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a feeling. Um, I am not a, I am not a, unfortunately, I think I'm more of a, uh, an artistic brain than a business brain. I think that has led me to make many business uh, mistakes and many wrong decisions because when you think business and you put your business hat on, you often don't take opportunities that that I've taken and you don't take some of the risks that I've taken. Um, I always think of it from a very emotional, sentimental, artistic way. So it is uh, for me, it's definitely a feeling. It's a feeling of whoever I'm collaborating with. It's a feeling of the space. And it's a feeling of my life experiences. Uh, just to give you a quick run through through the businesses, Nye obviously was the original one, which is a tapas restaurant, which we started very traditional and very, you know, taking my mom's recipes and kind of recreating memories of what I have uh, from back home. And uh, it turned into what we are now, which is uh, an expression of truly everything I am. It's not just my mom and my grandmother, it's also my life, my experiences, my 20 plus years experience as a chef now, when I started, I was very young. Uh, so all that shapes into the restaurant that we are today. Um, when Amigo by Night came, it was it was truly, Amigo obviously means friends in, in Spanish. And it was truly, uh, back then I always wanted to, uh, Rolando, who is my right-hand guy in the kitchen, um, he also has a very special bond with his mother. And we've always spoken about you know, how he always kind of wanted to make his mom proud because I've always spoken, Nye means mother in Gallego, uh, which is where I'm from in Spain. And uh, he always kind of to pay homage to that. And I found this so, so uh, not only inspiring to have a person that also wants to tell that message, but it fits with my whole message, which is family union. Um, and obviously me being in this kitchen with him for 10, 15 years, uh, I've eaten Mexican food only from him through my whole career. Then I became a huge fan of Mexican food. I've traveled to Mexico literally over 20 times. Uh, and when this kind of space came, uh, I just literally walked into the space 
and it was sort of like an instinct. It was like, God, this has to be what we needed to do. And then when we, I spoke to him and I told him, you know, it's time to do Amigo. And obviously in the by nine format, which is, you know, obviously more contemporary. And uh, we just want to make sure that we stray true to the culture, stray true to the meaning of, of what nine means. And that was how that came along. Then we have Amelia, which is Amelia is the name of my grandmother. Uh, and this is kind of how it all started. So obviously I took inspiration from my mother. My mother is a chef, takes inspiration from her mother. And uh, she was the best cook in the family. So um, when that came along, I'm from a very small village in, in Spain, in Galicia. Uh, it's literally 500 people that live in that village. So as you can imagine, that is the true message of farm to table. You know, when in New York City, we speak about farm to table. When I tell you I'm from a town that it's 500 people, that truly is farm to table. You eat what the sea provides you. You eat what vegetables you have. And that is you pick, you cook, farm to table in its purest form. And that's how Emilia came about. Um, so every project that we're doing molds into something. It's not just me wanting to do something else just because I'm thinking of the next concept now and the next idea. It truly goes into line of the same message from day one till hopefully when we end up. Hmm. You know, when you describe that feeling and, you know, it's you who's taking on this, uh, the loans, the, all the business aspect, right? You know, the, the stress, yes. the, the majority of the stress. What yes, is sure. your key yes. with, uh, you know, you mentioned the same kitchen staff or at least this one, you know, your right hand for 14 or 15 years. That's, that's nearly unheard of in years, this yeah. industry. 15 years, nearly unheard of. Yeah. How how do you find these yeah. special people and and tell me about that process? Yes, yeah, so um, it was uh, the same where I mentioned Rolando as fifteen years with me. I could mention Raúl. I could mention Sebastian. I could mention a group of over ten people that have been with me from day one. And um, I'm I'm very thankful and very lucky. Uh, this is why when I said that as we grow, I try to also grow in ways that that benefits everybody because um, one person cannot do a restaurant. Uh, restaurants, you know, as, as, as happy as, as we could be at the moment and as successful we've been at moments, as failures as we've been at moments, to be able to have that group of 10 fighters with you um, every single day. Um, if they have to take a pay hit, they take a pay hit. If they have to work whatever, they work whatever. Just to have people that, feel that same message, that same passion that you have, um, it's priceless. And that is why the growth of the company uh, um, with it. How did I find them? Truthfully, luck, coincidence in life. When I started, it was just, you know, the first hires that we've had. And it was sort of like, I don't know if it was because I was young and I was overly passionate that it was contagious to people and, and they believed in the mes message. And I've always spoke I would always be made fun of by, uh, you know, employees later on that became these characters. And they would always make fun of me because they would always tell me, you speak more about the message than the food and the service and everything else, because the message to me is more important. Um, I think I'm a memory chef, so I cook from a place of memory. So the message of what each dish represents is more important to me than anything else. And I've always made the message clear in anything we do. The reason why I do what I do is to make my mother proud. It's what gave me purpose in life. So, you know, we all have to find purpose. 
Um, and I think these group of people and, and found purpose in this project with me. And when I tell you they've been way more instrumental than I could ever be through this process, I genuinely mean it. And it's not just to say, just to be nice. I, it's, it's, it's very true that they've been more important than I could ever be through this whole part. It's amazing. It's amazing to hear you talk about it. It truly is. You know, we're in this odd time after the pandemic where so many of the people who worked in hospitality before they're like, oh, the great resignation. Oh, it's it's terrible. Oh, we can't yeah. the hours of this. It's just, you know, this whole transition where people are talking about this industry in a negative light. So for you to have found people who are like, no, 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 this is part of my purpose in life. No, this is not just a job. I'm here long term. Yeah. It's truly phenomenal. So Go we're going we're going to move into an article that I read. And I think it might have been, you know, maybe maybe a year ago. Um, but I read an interview where you broke down the stress that we all deal with when it comes to rent and landlords. And so it's I'm just gonna read part of the article. You said, quote, I pretty much paid rent this whole pandemic, but I did start getting so many phone calls from brokers about moving to another location. There's another spot where it actually might make more sense to just stop paying rent, lose the security deposit, and relocate. That's a very strong possibility if landlords don't negotiate. I just don't understand their position, because who's going to come in and rent that space if we move? Nye is a three-floor restaurant in the middle of the village. Very few restaurants are going to be able to take that spot and actually pay the massive rent in these times. So it's weird to hear landlords saying, yes, we want to figure out how to work with you, but the most we can do is 10% off your rent. That's not going to work on a $26,000 rent. Then they'll say, let's take rent payments from the deposit, and then you repay it. Or why don't you take out loans? It's like they're guiding me to get myself more into the ditch. So this resonated with me immediately when I read it. And so Chef Rodriguez you recently located or relocated the original Nye restaurant to a bi-level space. So I wanted to know what prompted this. Did, in fact, a broker make you an awesome offer where it made sense to stop paying rent, lose that security deposit, and relocate? So I'll start by saying I did lose the security deposit. <laughs> and and uh, we've decided it was the... Uh, the best thing for our future. I, I think these times are very uh, interesting because I think it brought out some of the best in people and it brought out some of the greed in people. Um, I, I want to always stick to the positive message and I feel, you know, I did see a lot of unity uh, through this. And like I spoke with a lot of my coworkers, um, that, that those were all the positive things, but I did see the greed of the, of the, I guess, bigger people, um, where at least in my particular experience, um, I was there for many years. Um, this was a location that was, uh, you know, there was never an issue. If the rent is due the 31st, it was paid the 20th, uh, year after year. Uh, we started that rent at 21,000. I ended up paying 26,000 towards the end. Um, this was, I was the top of landlord that we would have in rotation where our own staff would clean the building and make sure the garbage from the apartments was taken care of. This was that sort of location. Uh, mm -hmm. We gave it all we had because I always felt it's a, it's a give and take. 
Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to vilify landlords by any means. I think there's some great landlords. Uh, but I think when this happens, I think people didn't know what to do or how to do it. Uh, and I think people didn't take into, into notion that this wasn't just happening to them. It's happening to everybody. So it was almost the time to pull together and kind of hold tight. And I think if everybody would have held tight, I think there would have been less damage to the smaller guys. Um, I often think about how there were so many loans. There were so many things that have happened to all these bigger restaurants and, and all these people that have more connections, that have more pull, that have more power. Um, but that's not the people that should have received the help. The people that should have received the help is the absolute opposite, is the people that don't have those resources, is the people that can hold tight, is the people that deserve to hold tight, is the mom and pop people that have two employees and that you know this is how they make their everyday living check by check, but they don't have neither the information or the resources to be able to get that. Um, and that was my whole grief with this whole moment. When I decided to move, uh, I found, you know, uh, literally, so we were on 85 Second Avenue. We we're now on 84 Second Avenue, so literally right across the street. Um, and it was, life just works in a certain way. I found this incredible landlords, which always believed in me and my projects, uh, which are, which became part of uh, well, the whole company as a whole. And most of the restaurants that I have, all of the restaurants that I have, I must say, are in their properties. Uh, so I was thankful enough to meet, I consider one of the few last good group of people that kind of believe in a project and are able to kind of struggle with you and, 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 and go through these times with you, um, at the location that we're currently speaking about, it was, we love you. You're the best. We own so many buildings and you're the best tenant you've ever had, but you have to pay something. So for me, it was like, uh, you know, uh, when it first happened, those first, months i paid full rent there wasn't one fight back there wasn't nothing uh and you're talking at the time twenty five thousand dollars rent plus insurances plus everything that comes along with it so in three months i'm already down hundred and fifty thousand dollars just in three months um and then it came to the conversation where hey guys this is not going away and it's just obvious it's not going away anytime soon um, they kept holding on to, well, it's got to disappear. COVID has to disappear. Uh, as we know, it lasted. We're still currently in it. And we were closed for only God knows how many months. Uh, and there was like, you know, you get 10% discount. Uh, but that 10%, you, you get the discount and then we take it from your from your deposit. And it was it just became such a, such a horrible feeling. Could I have fought it and held, uh, held, with it and, and, and gotten to the end of the road. I'm sure I have because truly landlords have no other options at that point. What are they going to do? Kick every single person out of New York City out? They have no other choice but to work it out. They just don't want to work it out. For me, it became a very personal thing. It was like, listen, I have this group of people that believe in me. I am giving up uh, certain financial comfort by doing this. But, uh, you know, I, again, I don't do things from a business perspective often. And uh, I do it from a passionate and what I believe is moral and immoral. And I chose to make this decision and I walked away with it. I gave my uh, good guy clause, which was, I believe it was 90 days. I think it, 60 or 90 days, which means you pay the last 90 days and you lose whatever you have in your security. And that's what I did. And I walked away and I moved across the street and that's, uh, and that's where we stand. And uh, through that, it rolled to other opportunities and, and, and that's where we are. How was the physical relocation process for you? What was that like? 
rough. It was very hard. It's always very hard. It's always um, creating a space. Uh, it's always very draining. It's not just financially that drains you. It's it's uh, obviously when you relocate and you you whether you're relocating or you're opening anything new, you're there's so much to take into consideration. It's it's you know what kind of business you are, um, what kind of message you want to give. It's not just only in the decor. Then you're talking about practicality, functionality. Uh, what kind of numbers do you do? Your needs, your requirements. Uh, then you also have to take the financial part into essence. Uh, we understand that to make money, you got to invest money. But how much is too much to where you put yourself in a hole to where then you can't come out of it? It's so many factors to it. And it's it's. Uh, I I have people in my team that love this process and love the this whole initial process. For me, it's the most uh, mentally challenging part of it. Um, and I just happened to do four restaurants of build outs within at the same time during the pandemic. And you can tell how mentally I am, especially when I'm, when I can assure you that it's the most hardest thing of everything for me is to go through this point. I think the day to day operations, the being in the kitchen, the creating, that's when I'm at my, in my sauce. That's when I love what I do. And that's when it's no challenge for me. There is no stress. There is no no pressure. It's it's what I do. But this initial part, uh, man, uh, I, sometimes I wonder why did I do uh, so much. <laughs> what do you say to people who? I'll give you an example. Let's say their lease is up in the next three years, and they're dealing with a landlord that may not be the best, you know, for them, and they're thinking of. If this doesn't work out with this negotiation, this next negotiation, can we relocate? You know, what what does that mean? Will people f- follow our brand? You know, like, do, do you give them inspiration or do you, is your advice try to make it work at your current location? So I tell you this, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. And I've, I've actually asked, um, somebody just asked me that same question. That's a long ago of a, a friend that I have that is actually going through that very similar situation but they only have a year left. Uh, for me, I don't think, uh, contrary to what most people, my opinion, you know, obviously every, we always hear location, location, location. And I think that is absolutely certain. I think that is absolutely true. But I think the beautiful thing about food is that location only go as far as the message that you're given and the food that you're given and the service that you're providing. I think when you have a following, I think when you stick true and you do things correctly daily, to be honest with you, I don't care if you're on 5th Street, 8th Street, 9th Street, 12th Street. Um, Nye has moved. This is the third time he moved. We moved from 1st between 10th and 11th. We outgrew that location. We moved to 85 Second Avenue, which is where we I just moved. And now we moved across the street. And every single time we only got busier because we made the location better. Um, and I think, I, I think if you're not happy with your situation, I always, I always say, get out of the situation you're not happy with. Obviously you have to be savvy. You have to be smart. You have to understand if you're just doing it just because you're doing it. Uh, I don't recommend for people to operate and move like I do, which is literally by emotion. I think what you make business decisions, you have to make business decisions. Unfortunately, I'm not built with those, with that part. Um, so I think if it makes sense business wise, I think the fear of relocating and, oh, if we move, 
do we have to build again? No, I think if, if your brand is strong, if you build a loyal following, it doesn't matter where your business is, it will survive. I truly, truly believe that about food. Awesome. Uh, I'm just noticing as you're talking, we're only, you know, like 20 minutes in, you're very self-aware. You, you know, you say what you are and what you are not. And yes. most people are not self-aware or their ego doesn't let them say the quote unquote, maybe negative things that, you know, it's, what was your journey? How did you get to this place where you are yeah, so self-aware? So, so thank you for saying that. That that's uh, that means a lot. Um, I, I started uh, at 19. So uh, my first real adventure, my first real business was at 17 years old. I was a knucklehead. And I decided that I wanted to open up a business and I opened up a barbershop and whatever. But I was always in kitchens uh, through then. And, and that had a period where I thought $100 was a lot of money, right? So, you know, you grow this this false confidence and this false arrogance in life. And then life has a, a way to knock you down. And and, and, and uh, we started now when I was 20 years old. Um, and um, it was very challenging. It was very difficult. Certain things happened during the beginning of, of starting Nye that put you in your place. And I think for me, um, what kind of got me to this point is to understand that um, we all have faults. We all have weaknesses. We all have strengths. Doesn't mean the person that has less or more weaknesses or strengths is any better or any worse. I think when we become efficient in our craft, whichever craft that might be, I think is when we are able to know what we're good at and what we're bad at. I think the idea of I'm bad at this and that's why I'm going to work with a person that's good at what I'm bad at. I think that's when there is a growth. Uh, that's when I started truly growing uh, massively when I started surrounding myself with people that are good and complement my faults. So I'm very clear and I'm very well aware of what I am. I am emotional. I am overly passionate. I am way too impulsive. I jump at anything out of the feeling of of, of wanting to do it and growth and, and 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 you know for me the passion and the meaning and and whatever message I'm trying to do overweights everything, uh, and that led me to so many mistakes. Uh, so to have the counterbalance of people that kind of rein me in and be like, wait, I know we love your passion and we love the meaning, but this is not the one. I think that's very important, and it's also it's important not just to have those people. But to have the humility to, to 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 listen, you know, I get angry, I throw my fits. How can he say this to me? How, you know, but ultimately, I made the decision as the owner of this company to have these people uh, tell me I don't want yes men. I want these people to tell me you're making a mistake, and I I approach it as I'm listening, I hear you, and whatever will be will be. Okay, I'll stop this. I'll stop this message. Let's let's go a different direction. But uh, I'm definitely at that point in my life where, for me, it's not about me. Um, you, you, you might see if you, you know, you might see a lot of things on Nye and 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 the group, and there's a lot of articles that have come out. And there's a lot more that will come out. There's very few limited information of me. The reason to why is because I never wanted to be out there. I never wanted me to be the message. I think Nye was the message, and I think Nye is what we all work so hard. And I only say that to say that I can care less about my ego. There is no ego. There is no, um, 
no, I need to be the one. I need to, none of that exists in, in, in my platform. The complete opposite. Um, so I only end up going with the people that, that counterbalance my stupidity. And uh, I'm very, very well aware of, of what I'm good at and what I'm bad at, for sure. It's really refreshing to hear. And it's inspirational. So kudos to you. I'm learning from you Thank right you now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, stop it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You know, I love learning, you know, just like how you have these people around you. Yes. That's, that's life. I'm learning from you right now. You're learning from the people in your life. Every connection and interaction, like that's the beauty of life. No. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Fully agree. Yes. So you touched on this, but I just want to kind of go a little deeper after Nye, you opened the Mexican-inspired Amigo by Nye in 2020. So I really want you to go just a little deeper, go back. You probably don't want to go back to that time, but go back to that time. Tell me about this journey of opening, at that point, a second restaurant during a pandemic. So the, the Amigo by Nye project, it was already in, in, in the works. We were, um, the whole initial permits and licensings and, and all of that was already submitted and then pandemic hits, as we know. Um, so we're kind of in a weird place because we can't really move. We can't really stop because we are legally uh, obligated to fulfill, you know, this contract, uh, the people that we've partnered with. And, and so we can't just say, oh, wait, a pandemic happened. So everything must stop. Um, so there was, uh, and then of course we had Nye at the same time, which we were uncertain or how to proceed with that and how to pivot in whatever form we needed to pivot with fast food, you know, to go, whichever thousand ways people ended up pivoting to, we were also in the same predicament. Um, so Amigo by Nye, when, when, when those initial months happen, of course, everything, everything stops. Uh, but after we're kind of able to regroup ourselves and we're like, okay, so we have to finish this. We got to finish construction. We got to finish what we need to do. We got to, we have to finish. So to be honest with you, and, and um, what I did was kind of walked in there every day and we cleaned and built and painted ourselves and did whatever it was in our means to kind of finish this project. Um, and it was very challenging and very difficult because as you could imagine, uh, but it was also very beautiful. And I tell you why, uh, and I'm sorry to backtrack. The reason to why is because when I first opened in 2010, I literally opened it with a $10,000 uh, credit card that we bought every material at a Home Depot. So we build the tables, we built you know, we've gone out to Brooklyn to the warehouses to pick up $5 chairs. We, you know, I remember the day of the opening, November 15th, we didn't have a sign. I literally got a piece of wood and I drew in a uh, nigh and I kind of hung it outside. It was, it was sort of that beautiful journey that you started to translate it to something else. Um, and when Amigo happens and pandemic happens, our, our abilities have evolved tremendously. Our understanding of food has evolved tremendously service the same way our financial abilities have evolved but we find ourselves in that same place in the same place of like that struggle that that what what do we do now you know how do we do this and um it was challenging but it's also very reminiscent because i remember sitting 
sitting on the floor, you know, ordering the pizza from the only place that's open with my guys and being like, God, I can't believe we're back at this position again, you know, sharing a pizza and, you know, and just figuring out how to paint and how to get open and how to, how to do this when we didn't have the financial need to do so. Um, but kind of COVID or life puts you back to a place. Um, and then we finally get open and, and, and Amigo was meant to be a contemporary dining space. It wasn't meant to be a fast taqueria environment. Um, just like Nye, uh, the Buy Nye brand, it's, 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 it's all meant to be casual, uh, contemporary, fine dining, whatever fine dining is to every person. Because to me, fine dining isn't suit and tie. To me, fine dining is just a nice setting with people that take this very serious. Uh, but to me, fine dining, it's a t-shirt, a beanie, and you get served in a certain way, and every dish has a certain message. So that's why I keep saying contemporary, casual, fine dining. So the message for every restaurant is the same. And Amigo was intended to do the same. But what do we do when we just, we're forced to open? We, Amigo opens October 1. Uh, literally, midst of pandemic. We can't have out indoor seating. We, we can't do service. We can't do a full menu. So I guess I drew in a box, not pizza, and I got pizza boxes. And we stood and put in tacos to go and kind of opened up and, and went from there. We were able to make it through those times with a lot of uh, heart behind, a lot of passion behind it. And finally, we're doing what Amigo was intended to be from the beginning, which is, you know, uh, a full restaurant. Uh, and that's where we are now. It, it is beautiful, though, when you do. I mean, it sucks in the moment, but it is beautiful for a second to go back to those beginning stages. I know what you mean, you know, eating pizza, looking around like we're here again. This wait, no, how can this be? But also it's the journey. It, the journey is always better than the destination with anything in life. So of course I can see the beauty that you're describing. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's funny that you said that the journey is always better than the destination because, you know, you have, a, you will have a lot of opposing uh, sides to that. You will have a lot of people saying, no, getting to the destination is, is the beauty, but I agree with you. And I agree with you because I'm never gotten to my destination. So I don't know what it is to get to my destination. So when people are, you know, we finally got there, I don't know what that means because I've never reached whatever destination it is. What I have always reached was one more moment of passion, of inspiration to do something else and to keep growing. So that passion, whatever you're inspired by and that road is what keeps us pushing, is what keeps us moving, is what keeps us happy, is what keeps us loving and angry and whatever all the emotions through the whole road is. Um, but I fully agree with you. I think that is why I think I keep going because I never have a destination. What is it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're going to touch on another moment in your life that was very impactful. Not long after opening Nye, you were in a car accident that almost took your life. You spent months away from the restaurant while recovering. Your mom stepped in to help run the kitchen. Take me back to that time. What thoughts were running through your mind? So November 15, 2010, Nye opens. Group of guys with literally zero money. Uh, put everything, no name, no brand recognition, nothing. And we open across the street from Mamafuco. 
which we all know. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, we were really, we were literally right across from Mafuko. So, and I tell you, man, I was so out of the loop and so um, into what we were doing that people were like Mama Fuko, and I think I was the only person in New York City that didn't know what Mama Fuko was because I was so corrupted to with what I wanted to accomplish that I did not care about. You could have named anything. I would have known what it is. So we, we open up. And as I said, I literally, you know, there's still images from the initial night of like paintings in the wall and, and, and all that, all that was done by me when we first opened. Uh, and, uh, so we open up and as you could imagine, um, it was a place that had a lot of feel behind it, had a lot of character, but of course we were not, we weren't professionals. We weren't, we was the first journey. We, 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 we didn't do, we didn't have these advisors behind us. We didn't have these decorators. We didn't have nothing. We didn't even really have a menu. We didn't know anything, literally anything. And uh, we just had a lot of passion and uh, we had uh, uh, the, the, the know-how of what home tastes like and what message we wanted to give. And that was literally it. So when you walked in there, there was a great feeling and people ended up loving that space. I think more than they love everything now because it was a very home thing. Mm. Obviously my career grew into a different direction, but I only say that to say that when you open, when we opened and we had no name, the first couple months was literally, if you had five customers a day, that was uh, a good day. Um, so November 15th, we opened 2010. Uh, March 17th, 2011. So I'm talking about November, December, January, February. So four or five months after our opening, it is a Thursday. And we used to host flamenco shows at the time. And we had a flamenco show on Thursday and Saturday. And I remember Thursday, it was a Thursday, which was St. Patrick's Day, four months after the opening. And I remember um, we finally filled up. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, for me, that was like success. Like I'm used to, you know, if we sold $400 a day, it was already crazy. So for that day, it was still a shitty day because it was like $2,000, which in New York City means nothing. Right. And uh, But to my mind, I was, we made it. And uh, I remember the Flamenco show was the first set. We used to do two sets of the show. First set was at 7.30. Second show was, second show was at 9.30. And it was 30-minute sets. So we were full. And I remember leaving the kitchen and I had my hat on. It was my hat. And it was, I went left the kitchen after the second set was done, which was at 10 o'clock. So I remember I walked to the bar and the, one of my partner at the time, which was the one person I, well, one of the many people that I started, he later on, we didn't end up on bad terms. He just married my sister, by the way. He found a different journey. He had a baby. So he went into something that was more nine to five. So that's the reason why we parted ways. It wasn't nothing, whatever. So at the time when we, uh, I remember, and he was the bartender. And I remember I walked to the bar and I remember we looked at each other. We gave each other a hug. Um, and I remember I asked him for a beer and we like, you know, we uh, salute to a beer. We're finally full. And, uh, and I remember clearly, so where are you going? I said, I'm going to go celebrate. And I remember I called uh, one of my best friends uh, to pick me up from Jersey because they always used to go to St. Patrick's when we were young uh, in Hoboken, in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So the guy picks me up. Oh, the guy couldn't pick me up, but he said, I'm going to meet you there. So one of the cooks that I had at the time lived in Jersey. So I asked him, oh, Stephen, you're going to Jersey, drop me off in Hoboken. 
So as we're going to Hoboken, I don't know how familiar you are in Hoboken, but there's a lot of streets that are just one way. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously imagine St. Patrick, everyone's drunk. Uh, guy runs a stop sign. We're going uh, one direction, only one lane. Guy runs a stop sign. Hit, I'm sitting in the back seat. Um, car smashes into me. There had to be a uh, helicopters came to carve the car out, that whole thing. Make a long story short. Uh, there's seven vertebrates in our neck. I broke five out of the seven, usually one or two, you either paralyzed or dead. Um, so, you know, you wake up and I remember waking up and the first thing I said was, you know, is the restaurant okay? You know, uh, did we open today? That kind of question. And, and I was, I, I was paralyzed from my waist down for, for many, many, many months to go. Um, and it was a, it was a crazy period because not once, this is why I knew that now I needed to, to continue. Because that's when I think that was also the moment that there was that unity from everybody, which still exists today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that moment, they finally discharged me. I was in intensive care for a very long time. They discharged me and go home, but I'm only in the chair. You know, I can't, you know, I can't move. I can't use my hands. I can't, you know. Um, so at that time, everybody pulls together and, and everybody's trying to, of course, keep me as away from every problem as possible. Now, again, remember I told you we had no money. I mean, we had no money. And we were doing really bad. I mean, we were doing really bad. So the debts of Nye were increasing. And we were literally close to, I don't know how far from having to shut down. Uh, So it was very interesting to see everybody pull through. Uh, People didn't take salaries. That whole thing, it was just so empowering, so beautiful. Um, Of course, my mom was going routinely to to the restaurant to help prep. And, and I remember it was very funny because we were all very inexperienced. And out of, out of the inexperienced, I was the only one that can cook at a certain level. So I remember people would bring me the sauces from New York to New Jersey. I used to live, I, I ended up going to my mom's house in Jersey because it's where I recovered. And um, they would bring me the sauces every day for me to try. And I would literally from home, no, yes, salty, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, it was, it just got very bad as far as the financial, uh, where Nye was standing and the business at its own. And um, some, some weird day, my mom came from Nye and, and I think I saw the agony and the pain of, of everything, of, of her son not being able to walk and being this young guy that had so much projection and so much passion. And now he's like, you know, just dead, half dead there. And uh, I don't know what happened or how it happened, but I know it sounds like a pursuit of happiness moment, but it's really not. It's truly really what happened. I started kind of pacing a little bit and it took very long time. It took close to a year for me to sort of even walk halfway decent again. Um, and what also prompted this was to not see my main and my mom in, in, in pain and suffering, but that I had a purpose. I had a reason to get up and fight, which was nigh. Um, and, I got to the point where I had the neck brace on and, and, you know, the doctor still wanted me to be home for a lot longer. And, uh, I wouldn't say nothing to the doctor, but at that time I could walk already. So I started going at nine. I started being a line cook at nine and I would have my neck brace and I couldn't look down. And this is where Rolando, the amigo by nine guy, you know, I would kind of pass on the pan and be like, what color is this? Is this right color? That's an even, you know, can you tell? Cause I couldn't even bend. I couldn't even, and you know, that whole year was challenging, but somehow, some way, the business blew up and I got popular within the neighborhood and it started doing well and it, and it, it, it just all turned around. And I remember after me being six months with the neck brace in the kitchen, 
I go to a doctor visit and the doctor goes, you can now go back to work. Remember, I was already way, <laughs> way past that at that point. So, uh, yes. So that was that moment. And that definitely shapes the message. I think it gave everybody unity. And I think that's why we are where we are today, honestly, because I think when people fight for something so hard, like we did, mm-hmm. um, it's just really hard. We can get into arguments every day. I don't think what we've been through in so many different levels, the bond that we build, how hard we fought together, I don't think they'll ever break us. And that's why I have the same people from then to now. I was just going to say, now I clearly see why you have the crew you have. You you literally went through a life or death situation and building that together. I mean, I see that now. You can't even make up. You can't. That's a that's a once in a lifetime bond that just doesn't come across ever. You know, that's a very special bond. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I go I hate you know, seeming like the the optimist and the guy that tries to find meaning in everything. But that was so meaningful because I, I really do feel if if we didn't, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have created the crew that I have today. It wouldn't have mm-hmm. been that same fight. It's almost like after you go through that and you make it, how do you let it go? How do you be like, okay, we're content, we're ready to move on? No, now it's sort of like we went through hell and back. How do we keep going through hell and back but in a growth pattern into the next level. What is the next level? Because that's a whole different conversation. Because next level for you might be different than for me and vice versa. But for us, how do we keep having purpose? How do we keep fighting together? And how, do, how does everybody in this crew keep profiting financially and mentally and emotionally from this journey? Mm-hmm. Um, and if that hadn't happened, I, I could assure you we wouldn't be here today. And did that accident and the recovery after and that whole journey give you a different perspective on life? And if it did, what is that perspective? Yeah, I think it it uh, it made it more clear. Um, again, I'm going to say something very unbusinesslike. It definitely gave more clarity to why I do what I do. And uh, financial gain isn't the reason to why I do what I do. Um, and I've always kind of lived uh, and try to tell everybody that works with me the message of let's do this because we want to do this. Not, let's not do this because we think we're going to make X amount of money. Let's not do this for a financial goal. Let's do this because we're going to merge our, our everything into this and, and, and whatever comes out of it will be at peace because we gave it all from the right place. So from that moment, I think what, what gave me more clarity, I've never done anything from from 2010 when this accident 2011 march 2011 when this accident happened till today i've never done anything for a financial gain um of course we're not stupid we need to make a living of course we want to make money uh but it's never been for that i've never done any project or made any decision because i think i'm going to make more than than anything i've actually done things and i knowingly that i'm going to make less but i knew that this was this was the correct thing for what we're trying to so what made it what made it very it was definitely a stamp on the belief of let's keep doing this because we we are happy and doing this um and that made it way more clear for us for sure have there ever been any signs or synchronicities in your life that led to new opportunities for you in this industry i'm going to go out on a limb and say probably they have there have been um, that you haven't already discussed with me? 
If so, could you describe yeah, I, that moment? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think that answer, it's a lot of what we've already spoken about. Um, I think uh, I've never once thought about I'm going to do this to gain this, or I'm going to make this move for this to happen. Um, in my journey, uh, everything that has occurred has occurred as a reaction of something else. So whether it was from the accident to deciding to leave the night, uh, last space because of COVID and, and angry at the landlords. Uh, so that's one of those moments that that decision leads to something bigger. Uh, so everything I've done, I've, it's, it's sort of always been a result of, of a moment. Um, is there a particular moment? I think through our conversation, we can pinpoint six or seven of those moments uh, that uh, one situation led us to something else. Uh, but I just want to make it clear that I am uh, not a very intelligent man, which means none of this was done on purpose. Uh, none of thing that led to anything bigger was done from any thought out decision. It literally was life um, and just working towards a message. And, uh, and that's it. Next, we're going to talk about a flow state. So a flow state, also known as being in the zone, is the mental state when a person is performing an activity and is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, clarity, and enjoyment in the entire process. It doesn't feel like work. It's effortless attention that you're giving the activity. It's really a euphoric feeling. It's during this altered state of consciousness that your mind functions at its peak and a sense of happiness flows through your body. I've been in this state. Here's the example I usually use for my guests. I can get into it if I'm at my restaurant when it's closed and I'm the only one there. I might be working on new drinks for my menu. Music is often playing. There are no interruptions, just me ingredients, and the sounds and beats of the music. And the recipes flow. It doesn't feel like work. As a chef, I'm curious, have you ever reached this state while in the kitchen? If you have, please describe your surroundings leading up to it. Was music playing, or perhaps you're in silence, or maybe it's during service? And also, what did it feel like for you being in that state? So I'm going to tell you three different moments. This is a great question. Uh, and I think these moments are great because it also, it, it unveils two things. It unveils my age, uh, which I'm getting older. And it, um, <laughs> so, but it, it's beautiful because it marks moments of your life. Uh, I'm 38 now, so I'm closer to 40. Um, I remember when we first started, uh, uh, those moments for me of pure joy was, the this year, the hectic, it could be in the line. Um, as much as I am a, a creator and, 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 and everything else, to me, there was nothing more thriving and thrilling than the adrenaline of literally having 150 people sitting and the, the beauty of, of how the energy, the, the anger at the same time, because kitchens are, have that violent energy, the, the, all of that, 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 that craziness, that adrenaline, those moments where it's nothing but noise, loudness, everybody rushing. And then on top of it, you know, I'm describing my very early days. 
we had music blasting because I, I needed music. And it was those moments, those Friday, Saturday nights to me was the most uh, majestic, more the best moments where I, I understood why, you know, I loved doing that. That was in my 20s. Then as I got a little bit older, that's why I will describe you three different moments that this happened. As I got a little bit older, although I enjoyed those moments because it is, it is so in what we do, uh, and I will always enjoy being in the line, but then I started enjoying more of being uh, by myself with one other person, uh, two other people, tops, with jazz music playing, and it was freedom for me. It was mental freedom because at that moment, there wasn't um, any stress about any business stresses, whether it was bills, whether it was a bad review, whether it was whatever it could possibly be that could be bothering you. Those two hours of creation are, for me, was vacation. It was it was pure joy. It was pure vacation. Um, but I still needed that element of music and those two people, the one person to be with me going back and forth. Now that I'm 38, uh, every Monday I still do my day, uh, which is the day that I pick a kitchen, whatever restaurant that is, and I want nobody there. I don't put any music. I don't put nothing. It's literally me and a cold brew, and I just do what I do, and I spend six hours of pure solitude, just whether I'm creating uh, something new, whether I'm helping prep something for later on, uh, but those six hours for me, Mondays are therapeutic for me. Uh, but now at this point in my in my career, I need absolute solitude and peace. No noise, nothing happening. So, you know, there's a big difference. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I can't be alone. Well, there's a difference between being alone and solitude. And solitude is the beauty of that being alone. You know, that it's it's alone is an emotion. You know, you feel like you can't be without, you're, you're missing out on the party. But solitude is this beauty of silence and being able to be in your own thoughts and being able to be in this flow state that you're describing. And, and you're describing, let's say six hours on a Monday, it's almost like a beautiful moving meditation for you. So I imagine you are deep into it and getting so much done. It must be amazing. It is, it is amazing and it's so needed. And I started doing it because I needed to find a moment of, um, we got to a point of our of our business that we need a lot of rotational menus, and it's already hard to do with one restaurant. But you know, as we grew to two and now three and and four, uh, and they're all even though they're all uh, cooked by and inspired by certain emotions and feeling. And I'm from Spain, so I'm always going to have a Spanish influences when I cook. That's that's what cooking is about. It's it's an emotion. It's a memory. It's a feeling. And no matter what I do, it's always going to be in my style of cooking. But conceptually, they're different. So now you're conceptually creating different menus. Uh, each restaurant gets three to four menus yearly. So now it's a whole different beat and a whole different need to create. Uh, so that is why I started giving myself Mondays. But then it became like the only moment of the week where I'm present, where I'm truly present. And you know, sometimes I'm, whether I'm with friends or with partner or whichever way it is, uh, it's a, it's a very bad feeling that I internally have when I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm not present. And that happens to me more often every single day because there's so much happening with the businesses, the, whether it's employees, whether it's, 
there's so many different moving parts of this that I'm never in that space, in that moment. So that Monday for me truly is pure freedom. And it's the only moment of the week that I'm truly, truly, truly present in something I'm doing with no other thought but to finish something, to deliver something. And that to me is, is pure uh, solitude in the, right, in the right direction. Chef Rodriguez, we're at the end. Thank you for sharing your story with us. As I mentioned earlier, I believe that the journey is always greater than the destination. It's on the path that we learn, evolve, and encounter lessons that shape us into our best selves. I always like ending the podcast by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives. It could be something that we just discussed, a lesson you've learned on your journey, or general life advice that you live by. So um, as you've heard through this podcast, I'm a romantic. So I'm going to finish this by saying passion first, surround yourself with people that believe in you and I'll believe in them and uh, push hard. Things will happen. Life is life. There's positives, there's negatives. Just keep going. Beautiful. And where can people follow you? So you can go to Adnai Tapas, uh, Adnai Tapas, Ademilia Bainai, Akobo, and Amigo NYC. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, follow Have You Eaten Yet wherever you get your podcasts.